0: If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you.
1: I who live, but it's Christ who lives on the inside of me. I thank you, Father God, for the blood of Jesus that covers us right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you for saturating this atmosphere covering this atmosphere with your blood in the name of Jesus because the blood of Jesus never ever loses its power. I bind every attack and every assignment that the enemy has sent out against us today, verbally, physically, financially, mentally, and spiritually in Jesus name. I take authority over everything that the enemy would try to do in this place on today. It bows down in the name of Jesus. Now, God, I thank you for the freedom in this house. Because in him, God, in him, in Jesus, we're free. So, God, I thank you for freedom today. We're no longer slaves to sin So we just honor you, we glorify you right now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. We're going to continue what I have been teaching on um, about knowing God. So go with me to Genesis, the fifth chapter. And I want to start at verse um, 21. And I will be ending at verse 24. Genesis, the fifth chapter beginning at verse 21 and ending at verse 24. And I will be reading out the Amplified Bible, the classic edition. And when we get there, let us say amen. And remember when the word of God is is going forth, it is God speaking unto us. Amen. I'm just the instrument God used to bring forth his word, but it's him speaking. So open up your hearts to receive what he has to say. The Bible says when Enoch was 65 years old, Methuselah was born. Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God after the birth of of Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. And it said so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God and he was not. For God took him home with him. You may be seated. We're still talking about knowing God. And God, he keeps adding to um, what I have been teaching on, on knowing God. And I'm going to tell y'all, it gets better and better. When we say knowing God, it's not knowing about God. Because we can know about God through people. But until we actually have our experience with God on our own, we're just knowing about him. So we started off with, I want to start off with having a relationship. Relationship and fellowship is different. With the relationship, we look at being born into the family of God. That's having a relationship because the Bible tells us that we must be born of the spirit not born of the flesh, born from above, not born of this earth. This is what uh, Nicodemus and Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus. You must be born really of the spirit. You know, you cannot be born of the flesh to enter into the kingdom of God. So once we accept Jesus as our Lord and as our savior, we are born into the family of God. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are citizens of Of the kingdom. That is what we look to. That is what we look up to. We look up to the kingdom of God. God is our father. That's a relationship. Because we're born into the family of God. That means that we have a new identity. Some of you may know this. But I have to go back through it. That means that we have a new identity. According to 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore if any man be in Christ... Being in Christ, meaning you have accepted him as your Lord and as your Savior, that means that you're born of the Spirit, not born of the flesh. You're born of the Spirit. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The only way you can become a new creation is being born again, being born of Christ, in Christ. When we look at that new creation, we have to go back to Genesis chapter 1. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created. What did He create? A new heaven and a new earth, because we know darkness was upon the face of the waters, right? So God took nothing, and he made it out of something. So when you look at a new creation, that means it has been renewed. It has been made new. So the newness that we have on the inside of us came from the spirit part of us. The spirit is what has been reborn. The spirit is what has been made new. That's what makes you a new creation. It is through your spirit, not through your flesh. You have a new spirit on the inside of you. And the Holy Spirit was part ...of what happened to us in regeneration. The Holy Spirit came in and gave took our spirit and he made it new. So now we have a new life now that we are in Christ Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You have to get that first part of that to understand you have a new identity. You are identified by being a spiritual being. This happened in your spirit, not in your flesh. So we have to go on the spirit. We cannot go on the flesh. We are born of the spirit. This is called relationship. This is how we made a connection with God. This is how we have a relationship with God from being born again. Remember when sin entered into the world through Adam and through Eve, that means that their spirit was dead. So in order for their spirit to be alive again, God had to do what? He had to send Jesus. He had to send him as our Lord and as our Savior. It was God himself. And once we accept Jesus, the Holy Spirit come in and he do a work on the inside of us. That's when we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That means that the enemy cannot touch your spirit, but he having a field day all day long with your soul, with your mind, your will, and your emotions. Therefore, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You got to get the first part. You were created new. This is what it says in the beginning, that old have passed, behold the new. See, you got to look at, therefore, if any man be in Christ, are you in Christ? If you are born again, you are in Christ. You are a new creation. Things have been made new. So now God wants you to live in that newness of life, not the way that you used to live. I'm going to say it again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if any man is born again, if any man have accepted Jesus, that mean any man. It don't matter what you did, how you did it. But once you accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, you are a new creation. You want to see yourself for who you are in Christ. You don't want to see yourself for who you used to be. If you're seeing yourself for who you used to be, you don't know who you are now that you're in Christ. Let me Say it again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You got to get the first part of that. You are in Christ. You are a new creation. You are born of the Spirit. You are born from above. You relate to him through the Spirit, not through the flesh. Therefore, if you have been born in Christ, You are a new creation. Old things, I'm getting to the old things, have passed away. Let's do it again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Why am I a new creation? Because old things have passed away. What are those old things? That old nature. That old sin nature that compelled, that drove me to sin has passed away, has been crucified with Christ. Let's do it again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Now that you're in Christ, that old sin nature that was driving you, that was compelling you to sin, is crucified. Anything that's crucified cannot come back to life. Anything that's crucified cannot come back. It's dead. Because you have a new life now that you're in Christ. You're born of the spirit. You're born from above. God see you for who you are in Christ. Not for who you used to be. He know you by Christ. Not by you. Your life is hidden in Christ. He don't see you. He see his son. And his son is perfect. He is complete. Come on, he don't see you. Quit seeing you and see Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. That old sin nature that compelled you, that drove you to sin, it is dead. It is buried with Christ. Come on, we got to grab hold of that. We have a new life. And then then he said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. He said, now the part I want you to, to see is behold all things. All things, nothing missing, nothing broken. Behold, all things have become new. He wants you to see the newness that you have in life through Christ. It's not through anything that you have done. Our problem is we focus focus on what we used to be. We have to focus on who we are now that we're in Christ. So we're born again. We're born from, from above. So our focus should be on things above. That's why the Bible says in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above and not on things that are on this earth. Why? Because you are a spiritual being. Your life is in Christ. It's about kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. It's about what you have now that you're in the kingdom of God. You have it because of him, not because of you. Even if you mess up, it's not going to get taken away from you. You just don't get the benefit from it because you got a roadblock in your way. So that's relationship. You got to know that you're a part of the kingdom of God. But in order for this relationship to be what it needs to be, you got to have some fellowship. Oh, my goodness. This is the part that we miss, just like in a marriage. And I talk about a marriage. In a marriage, when a man and woman come together and they say their I do's, and you know, I'm gonna be here with you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, and sickness and in health, to death, do us part. We say that in front of the preacher. But we actually don't know what it means. That means that you're connecting yourself one to another. You're becoming one. What belonged to him belonged to you. What belonged to her belonged to you. Your life is not the same no more. Remember, ladies, you taken taking on another name. If My, my name used to be, main name Walker, but when I got married, I became a Bryant. They see me as Bryant. They don't see me as Walker no more. So I got to see myself for who I am being married to that man, meaning that when I go to the bank and I say, Amanda Walker, who is that? Not unless I have a separate account and it shouldn't be a separate account. Because we're one. When I go there and I introduce myself of who I am, they can identify me by what I have said and by my social security number. Did y'all not know when you get married, you have to go and change your social security card? Did you not know everything changed when you get? Y'all don't hear me. Come on, let's don't be funny. Some of you ain't even changed your social security card. Because you're trying to benefit from somebody else. When you get married, women, everything changed. Did y'all know the mans didn't change? The woman is what changed. Let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, we know that God created male and female. He created both as spiritual beings. Amen? But he created one body. And that one body, he created it from the dust of the ground. It was called man, but woman was already in man at that point. He, he created that one body. But when God blew breath into that one body, that body became a living soul. Inside of that body was male and female. It was called Adam, but it was still male and female because it was one. So in order for God to do what he needed to do on this earth, he had to take woman out of man because he said in order for them to be fruitful and multiply, I need a male and I need a female to replenish this earth, to subdue, to rule and reign together on this earth. But they're still in union. They're still in oneness. This is why Adam said this is flesh of my flesh. This is bone of my bone." He said he's leaving father and mother and he's joining himself until his wife. Some of y'all ain't left home. Come on, you ain't doing it the way God wanted to be done. He didn't say, I'm going to take male and male out of this one body. He said, I'm taking female out of this body so they can replenish male and male can't replenish nothing. Female and female can't replenish nothing. That is not God's way of doing and God's way of being. Come on, let's just cut this foolishness out. That ain't what the word says. We got to go by the truth, not by what man say, but by what the word of God say. Sanctify them in truth. My word is truth. It's right there in black and white. He created male and female. Come on, we're going to do things in order. And decency in order. No, it ain't alright. It will never be alright. Because that's not God's pattern. That's not his order. Quit telling people that's all. I ain't got the fellowship yet. Come on. This is how God created it to be. This is how it's supposed to be. I can tell who in real fellowship with God. Cause the ones that's in real fellowship with God is saying, that's not the God I serve. That's not how my father intended for it to be. Hmm. See your relationship going back to marriage. See, when you get married, everything change, women. So you better get ready for change. That mean you taking on that man. That mean whatever debt that man got, you got it. Hello, somebody. Men, whatever debt that woman got, you got it. Why? Because you are one. You better know what you getting before you get it. You better know the state of that individual before you marry that individual because you become one. If they go after the man, they're going to come after you because you are one. I don't care if you move out of the state, they're still going to get you because you married that man. That man still you stole. That man committed adultery, you committed it. Cause you're one and that's what bring you together. Y'all don't think you get in the way with anything, it's a oneness, it's a union and Adam, he recognized that. And I guess that's why he said, if my baby eat the fruit, I got to eat it. We're one. You toe up, you backwards, because you don't go outside of God. Even if your wife go outside of God, you don't go outside of God. Even if your husband go outside of God, you don't go outside of God. So y'all know sin came into the world. But before sin came into the world, guess what? They were fellowshipping with God. Their fellowship was so close and so intimate. They had experienced God that when God came in that garden, it wasn't nothing but a wind. They knew it was God. Come on, when you're in fellowship with Him, you know the difference because there are many voices in the world. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, there are many voices in the world, but you got to know God's voice. And when 1 Corinthians 14 talk about that, that He's saying there are many languages because it was talking about the tongues. You got to know what you're hearing. So even in marriage today, marriages are taught. To- tore up because they're not getting counsel to know how God wanted to be. You get married because it feel good at that time but when you live with that person long enough, sometimes you'd say you can't stand them but yet you love them. Come on. You'll tell them you can't stand them. Well, I ain't never told my husband that because when you start having fellowship with God you work it out. You work it out. You work them I can't stand you out. You work them shut-ups out. You work get-out-of-my-face out. You work sleep-on-the-couch out. Come on, when you... No, uh, y'all don't understand. Come on, you work that out. Because when one is down, the other one got to build that one up. That's why it's two. That's why he sent two disciples out. Because when the one down, the other one can build them... How can you walk together and not be in agreement? That's why you don't marry outside of what you believe. Come on, somebody. A person that's saved cannot marry someone that's not saved. You are unequally yoked and that house will go through. Because you're not believing the same thing. So we're talking about that relationship. Because in a marriage, you can have a relationship, but no fellowship. You can just live together, but never communicate. Never get to know one another. Why is it when you're dating, that's the love of your life? But when you marry them, I wish I had never got married. Never knew she was like this, never knew he was like this. I don't know if I can put up with this. They're too fat. They eat too much. They're costing me too much money. They don't want to work. They're lazy. They always run in their mouth. Don't know what they're talking about. They're full of pride. What in the world have I done? No, you said God brought you together. See, when you stay in a house with someone, you really know they dirty laundry. They can't hide like they used to because they ain't in the same house. But excuse me, sometimes we are in the same house. (laughs) But you can't hide that dirty laundry no more. You can't hide behind your makeup no more. You wake up and the man says, what in the world? What, what? (laughs) You know me. (laughs) Hey, it's me. What happened? (laughs) You know I had on makeup. This is true here, y'all. It was a girl who always fixed herself up very beautifully. And she fixed herself up so well, the man married her because he said he had a beautiful woman. But after they got married, the woman was being true to herself. And she took off everything and she scared the man. Everything under that makeup didn't look right. So he couldn't live with that because that's not what he married. See, it don't work like that with God. God accepts you just as you are. He don't change because you change. He don't change because you get bigger, smaller. He don't change because your complexion change. He don't change. He remains the same. So this relationship has to be developed through having fellowship. So if we don't have fellowship with God, we're really not getting to know God the way he needs to be made known. When we go into the word of God, and the reason why I went back to Enoch, Is because the Bible says that Enoch was 65 years old when he had Methuselah. Then it says that he walked with God. That means that he had some habitual fellowship with God. Think about this, y'all. This man was 365 years old. The Bible says he had habitual fellowship fellowship with God for 365 years the fellowship was so good the walk the communion the fellowship the joint participation was so good with God the intimates was so good with God God said I got to rapture you up come on somebody for 365 years even with Enoch being in a world full of sin. That was doing and saying anything they wanted to say. He still was in joint participation. He still was in communion. He still was in intimacy with God for 365 years. He habitually fellowshiped with God. And the Bible says that the world was so corrupt. So full of sin. That this man. He still stayed in daily fellowship. Habitual mean continual. No matter what was going on around him. He still took the time to fellowship. To walk with God. Come on and he didn't have what we have today people. He didn't have the Holy Spirit indwelling him. No. He walked with God, walking with God, communing with God, meaning that he was talking with God on a daily basis. And guess what? He didn't even have the word, a Bible like you and me. Oh, I'm going to go there. See, we get it mixed up. We try to go into the word of God and we try to get scriptures and using scriptures on people, but yet you don't know God. Come on. We try to be Bible scholars and quote these scriptures and want to be out there with the ones that can quote the quote or always want to answer with the scripture. But yet we don't know God. Oh, I'm going somewhere with this. You can talk the word all you want. But if you are not doing what the word says, you don't know God. Enoch, his fellowship was so good with God. His communion was so good with God. God said, I'm taking you out of this. Ooh. I'm going to take you home with me. Because you lived 365 years. Communing with me. Having intimacy with me in a world that's so corrupt. I'm going to take you out of it. I'm going to rapture. Come on. This is how close he was to God. How his intimacy was with God. The more you talk with God. I'm talking about seriously, y'all. The more you sit with God and have conversation and say, God, I want to know your heart. God, I want to know what's on your heart today. See, back then... When they sat with God and talked with God and communed with God, God told them his heart. Let me tell you what Enoch got out of God. Go with me to Jude. I'm going to read this, the book of Jude. And I want to tell you what was going on. Wait one minute. Let me go back. wanted to read it out of another version, but it's not pulling up, so I'm just going to go here. In the book of Jude, this is what Enoch Enoch was saying in verse 14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all of their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts and their mouth speaks great swelling words, having men's person and admiration because of advantage. What was happening with Enoch? By him spending time with God, God was revealing stuff to him that was yet to come. God was speaking unto him, and then he ended up speaking unto us what God was speaking to him. How do you know what God is doing if you don't spend time with him? How do you know what God want to do if you don't spend time with him? Because everything in this Bible, it is written, but you don't know the plan and purpose for your life. Except what God tells you. When you spend time with God, this is how inventions come. How do you think all of these men, George Washington Carver, how do you think he came up with what he come up with? Some things in the Bible wasn't written about his life. He went out in the wee hours of the morning. He spent time with God. He spent fellowship with God. He began to ask God questions. He began to say, God, Mr. Creator, he had a name for God. Elohim, Mr. Creator, what will this do? What's going on with this? God had to tell him what was going on because God created it. So he had to go to Mr. Creator. He had to have that fellowship. He had to have that experience. He had to have that intimacy for God to tell him this is what's going on. That's fellowship. So that's what God want from us. He said, I want to fellowship with you. I want you to get to know me in a more intimate way. That way, when things come up in your life, you won't run to those things. You will run to me. Because you know me as your father. You know me as the one that loves you. You know me as your creator. You know me as your provider. You know me as your healer. You know me as the everlasting God. You know me. But if you don't fellowship with me, you're not going to get to know me. We're in relationship, but I want fellowship. Don't just get born again and say, I'm missing hell. It's more than just missing hell. It's about having fellowship with the father so you will know what's yet to come. God will prepare you for what's yet to sneak up on you that you don't know nothing about. God will prepare you before a famine come in the land. Come on, he prepared Joseph. That's because Joseph was in fellowship with God. Joseph was a dreamer and God spoke to him through those dreams. He didn't take it lightly. He stood on what God said because God was speaking his heart to Joseph. So Joseph went through some things, but he knew God has a reason for all things. He still trusted God. And that was because of the fellowship he had with God. Why his brothers and and, you know, was out doing all kind of stuff. He was in fellowship with God. And he began to tell them what God was telling him. And they began to hate him for that. You will be hated the more fellowship you get in with God. People don't want you around no more. Because the life you're living, they can't stand that life. So God won us in that fellowship. He was showing me. Um, God show me things through movies we was watching a movie and it's called, it was really deadbeat dads. A deadbeat dad is a dad that thinks that they don't supposed to take care of their children, that they laid there with that woman and had, it was one deadbeat dad. The woman took him to court and when she took him to court in front of the judge, um, the judge ordered him to pay a thousand dollars. He said he wasn't going to pay that thousand dollars. And the judge was telling him, he said, I'm not going to pay that $1,000. She said, you will pay that. I don't even know if he's mine. And the woman said, we got a test here showing that this son is yours. So then he began to come up with something else. I want joint custody. I want to be, now he want to be a part of his life because he didn't want to pay that $1,000. So she said, okay, I'll grant you joint custody. You just pay 250 but they had to share the custody of that child. So when it was time for him to take the child home, um, to take care of the child himself, he took the child to his mama's house. Come on, we got some of them. And mama's for y'all to take that responsibility off that son, you just aiding in a bed. So they took the child to the mama's house, and when he dropped the child off, he dropped off the food and everything the child need and left. Then he would sneak back in the house when the mama wouldn't know it, lay stuff down and sneak out. But one day the mother caught him. And she said, look, you have a loving child. Do not let this child go through what you went through without having a father. He said, I'm not ready to be a father and left. So it came a day that the child was sick and the child went into a coma. He went to the hospital with the child and the nurse said, if you go in there and talk to the child, this helped the child to get through. He said, I'm not going to talk to that child. So he left. So he found out it was a class going on for deadbeat dads. In some kind of way, he got in that class. And the man that was teaching that class, he was inspiring them about how to be a dad because he used to be a deadbeat dad. So he was telling them by me being a deadbeat dad, not watching over my son, my son end up getting on drugs. He end up doing things he shouldn't do and he end up getting killed. So I took on this to help others not to be in the space or the place I was in. So we went back to the hospital and he began to read to his son. Let me tell you something. God always have a ram in the bush. No matter how hard your heart gets in a situation, God would always send somebody to encourage you to lift you up and let you know you can get through it. He went back and he started reading to his son. He started bringing stuff in the room for his son like little bears. And the more he read to his son, he would speak to him. He fell in love with that boy laying on that bed. One day he came in and he was holding his son's hand and his hand began to move. And he said, nurse, nurse, I believe he's waking up. But the son died. When the son died, he called the man that was mentoring him. And he said, now tell me what do I do? My son is gone. How do I live? The very one that found out what it meant to be a dad didn't have the opportunity to be one. So he had to get mended through that, which he did. And he ended up helping that very same man mentor others. See, sometimes God has a way that's outside of us. There was another deadbeat dad, and I'm still talking about fellowship. Another deadbeat dad was very rich, so he gave his daughter anything that she desired. He gave that daughter that. And the daughter just got rebellious. She was hanging around the wrong crowd. The mother was telling him, you know, you need to spend time with her. I'm doing all I can do. Everything that she wants, I'm giving it to her. But it got to the point, he ended up going to this class. The man ended up encouraging him, and he found out he was a really deadbeat dad. How did he find out? His daughter called him, could could not barely talk, found out she was in this drug house, almost dead. He went to the drug house. They wouldn't let him in. You know how it is at a drug house, how they're saying you can't come up in here. He, He went in there, got his daughter, saved her life. From that point on, he began having fellowship. Why does it take tragedy? I'm going somewhere. With us to have fellowship with God. Why do it take death. For us to have fellowship with God. Why does it take accidents. Or near death experiences. For us to sit and talk with God. So he got to know his daughter. They shared many things together. Him and his daughter. But then it was another deadbeat dad. He loved buying sneakers, $1,300 sneakers, the new ones that was coming out, the guy selling to him for 13, which was 3,000, 1300, which was 3,000. So he had four baby mamas. He'd show up at the birthday parties but didn't show up with nothing but him, acting like a child, thought he was being a dad. But when he went to the class and it got broke down to him, he saw he wasn't being a good dad, got another woman pregnant. Went with her to an ultrasound. He said, I'll be right back. She looked through the window, and then he's trying to get another number from another woman. So he was a dad dad, but guess what happened? His story was, his dad wasn't there for him. His dad was doing the same thing that he was doing. So guess what? He apologized to the girl that he was with. And he was in the park, and this is what changed him. He had on his gold chain, three, four, five of them on his neck. Had on his expensive sneakers, on the phone. Had his four kids with him. they out there playing. Guy walked by, robbed him, took his shoes, took his necklace, took his car, took his wallet. And then he said, how am I going to get my kids home? One child come up to him and gave him money. The other children come up to him and hugged him and say, dad, it'll be okay. He realized at that point, his children loved him outside of him. That made him go see the dad that was deadbeat to him. When he went and saw the dad, the dad had a stroke. But guess what he did with the dad? He wrapped his arms around him. And he began to cry with the dad. And he forgave the dad. Then it was one dad out of the whole bunch that wasn't deadbeat that wanted to spend time with his children. But because the wife or the girlfriend hated him, she would call the cops on him and have him locked up. And he couldn't get jobs to support his kids. He says, not that I don't want to support them. He said, but she won't let me get near them. And when I get near them, she'll take out a restraining order and say I'm causing trouble. He said, what can I do when I get a job and I'm working and I buy stuff for my kids and I take it to my kids? She called the cops. Then I lose my job. He said, how can I be with my children? But the children knew he loved them. He said, I want to spend time. I want to have that relationship. I want to have that fellowship. And guess what? At the end, by him being encouraged, the woman came to him and bought the kids. What am I saying? Why is it, y'all, that the only time we want to spend time with God is when we're in trouble? When everything is going okay, we don't think we need to sit with God because our money look good, our health look good you know, the children are all right, you know, I'm okay, so I don't need to have that fellowship. I may open my Bible twice a month, if that. But any time we really want to have fellowship with God, or we think we want to have fellowship, is when something go on, and I have learned God ain't never left. God is still there waiting on us. He said, I'm waiting on you. I want to fellowship with you. I want you to experience the love that I have for you. I don't want you just to quote John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I don't want you to just quote that. I want you to experience my love to the point that you know what I've done for you while you were yet in your sin. I still died for you. I proved my love for you. I want you to be in so much fellowship with me. That whatever people are doing around you, you're not affected by it. The enemy don't want you to have this fellowship. Because when you start out having this fellowship with God, and you experiencing him for who he is, you ain't going to want what the world wants. It may take a little bit, but gradually things are going to be dropping off. You ain't going to go in the same house you used to go in. You ain't going to live the same way you used to live. Because you know that's not how your father lived. That's how it was for Enoch. Enoch had habitual fellowship with God that nothing took him away from where he was with God. That's how we know people are really not in fellowship. Because if you're truly in fellowship, you won't keep doing the same thing. Come on, it'll come at you. But it won't be able to get you the way it used to get you. You won't be acting the same way you used And you will humble yourself more. Come on, when you're in habitual fellowship with God, is such a humbling state. Even though you know you're right, you be so humble, you become wrong. You become like Abraham. If you go left, Lot, I'll go right. You go right, Lot, I'll go left. Don't let this strife come between us. We're brothers. Come on, he had some fellowship that Lot didn't have. Fellowship will let you turn the other cheek. Fellowship will even let you get slapped on the other cheek. Because of fellowship. Then the Lord, when... Oh, y'all, I I got to go back here. Some of us said we want to be raptured up. Enoch got raptured up and he got taken out because he loved himself some Jesus. He loved himself some God. He loved him so much, he did not entertain what was around him. The mumbling, the complaining, all this stuff that was going on in the world, he didn't allow that to disrupt. His fellowship with God. He stayed so much in constant communion with God. No matter what came up. Even though it shook him. It didn't move him. Come on. We'll be shaken by some some things in this world. But it shouldn't move us from where we are with God. Come on. When you are part of a place that love Jesus. That want to do what's right. People going to tell you. Don't go to Miracle Temple. Them people up in there, they're too holy. The Bible say, be ye holy, because I am holy. you already holy in your spirit, but you want to live a sanctified life, a set-apart life. That's what holiness is. That means that I have so much fellowship with God, I know not to be out there doing the butt and say I'm serving God. That's the world's way. Mm. I don't do what the world do. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. Just because my family is out there doing whatever they want to do don't mean I come up in there and live like they're living just for them to like me. When you truly have fellowship, you cut that foolishness out. I ain't through yet. Because I'm telling you, y'all, it get better and better when you understand relationship, fellowship, when you understand oneness and union, when you understand everlasting life, what he has come to give you life, which comes from God. You want to live according to the life that he has given you, which bring the light, the life that's in you, bring the light to the world. And when you come into this world, like Peter. The reason why people were seeing Peter, the shadow from Peter, it was just the glory of God that was coming through Peter. Come on, you're supposed to be able to walk in a room and it's supposed to be a calmness in that room. Because you walked in the room, you walked in the midst of darkness and bought some light. That's why when you're in an argument, a soft answer turns away wrath. But grievous words stir up anger. So why are you throwing out grievous words? The more you get in fellowship with God, those grievous words stop. No matter how people talk about you, no matter how they approach you, you become so humble that they know, oh, you, you wanted them born again people. You didn't have to tell them. They knew who you were from, where you were from. By the life you live, how did that change? Because you stand in fellowship. You already born of God. But now you need so much fellowship with God that people are seeing this new life that you have with God. Look at Enoch; He just talked with God. He had conversation with God and God told him his heart and he prophesied. For us yet to come. So the more time you spend with God. The more God will begin to reveal himself unto you. The more God will begin to show you things that he will have for you to see. Y'all he will answer you. He's always there to answer when you ask him a question. Because he's your father. And I'm going back to Mary and Martha. Let me set the scene. The door was open. When Jesus came to Martha's house, Martha let him in. That's being born again, right? We letting him into our heart. Salvation is of the heart. It's a heart change, y'all, not a mouth. You confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. So when she opened that door and she invited him into her life, that means she said, come on in. When he came in, Mary took a seat. She kneeled at his feet. Come on, that's humility. Mary was ready to go into some fellowship. Mary was ready to hear what he had to say unto her. But Martha was so busy serving, some of us thinking that we can serve our way to heaven. (laughs) Just because you do good works, that does not mean that you're going to get in. Just because you come to church all the time, just because you pay your tithes, that does not mean that you're going to get raptured up or you go into heaven. It's a heart change. So Martha was doing much serving. So stuff began to come out of Martha because she saw Mary bowing down and See, that was jealousy too. How dare you go sit with him and we need to be serving him together. Some of us think that, like I said, paying tithes, I'm not telling you not to because the Bible tells you to. But some people think just because we do this or we do that, we have in fellowship. Those are things that the word of God tell us that we must do, but we don't put those things before him. When you're with him, you're going to do those things, but there's a time that he wants you by yourself. So she got mad. What did she tell him? To basically talk to Mary. Tell Mary to come in here and help me. Don't she see what I'm doing? And he said, Martha, Martha, you are troubled about many things. How did he know that she was troubled about many things? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak. He could tell what was in her heart by what her mouth was saying. He said, Mary is doing what's needful of her. So we need to be doing what's needful of us. We need to get in some true fellowship with God. Some of us can tell people more about cars, more about lawnmowers, more about clothes, more about hair, fingernails, everything else, except what did God say? We can talk people head off about stuff that we invested in. The thing that you spend more time with is what you're going to talk about. If you spend more time, don't get me wrong. You watch the news. There's nothing wrong with watching the news. But if you spend more time talking about what they're saying instead of what the word of God is saying, something's wrong. Because whatever they say, you're supposed to say what God has already said. So whomever or whatever you spend more time with, that's going to be the topic of your conversation. That's who you know people's been fellowshipping with. If that's all you hear about the new things out there, they're fellowshipping more with the world than they are with God. God said, I want to fellowship with you. He said that was the whole purpose in the beginning to have this fellowship. Y'all, in the beginning with Adam and Eve, God just talked with them because they had had everything that they needed. So, of course, the Father's going to tell them, you got everything you need to live this life here on earth that you need to live. Because through that fellowship, God is sharing. He's sharing what he has with us. He's letting us know what we have. Then after I left Enoch, now I got to go back. Thank you, Holy Spirit. He walked with him so much. He had fellowship, communion with him. He did things God's way so much. God said, I'm going to rapture you up. I'm going to take you out here. Let's talk about the rapture just a little bit. Some of us, we're going to get raptured. Amen? Amen. We'll be here when the rapture comes. That's what some of us want, right? We say we want to get raptured up. We say that, but are you living a life worth being raptured? Because you say you want to be raptured, but you can't fellowship with God. You can't be in communion with God. You're too connected with what the world is doing. You want what the world has. If somebody get you, figure you got to get it. That's not having fellowship with God. That's why Paul said he was content. Either way, Paul said, I'm content. Come on, that was true fellowship. Fellowship. So when you have true fellowship, you ain't worried about what this one got or what that one got or what you think you should have. You ain't trying to keep. I wish I had my phone up here. Let me use this. Dad, they went to Hawaii. Dad, I ain't went nowhere yet. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it happen. Dad, they got a new car. I ain't got no new car. I'm going to make that happen too. Everything that they do, you want to do and you want to flop it on Facebook. That ain't no fellowship with God. Because if you in fellowship with God, they don't see you, they see him on Facebook. Let me say it again. They see him on Facebook. They don't even need to see your face. Facebook is about a face. Facebook is saying, Hear me, see me, be attached to me. Look what my boo bought me roses. And those roses could have paid your light bill. Oh, look where I've been. And everybody got to know you in New Mexico? Everybody got to know you at Disney World? Everybody got to know. Even the FBI can pick you up, cause you excited that you've been somewhere. Come on, God can take you to New Mexico, right in your house. He can take you there, supernatural. What is it with folks that everybody got to know your business? You laying up in the hospital with COVID nineteen. Everybody know. Why did everybody got to know what you're doing? Let me break it down. Because you're lonely. 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 That's what I said. You want somebody to agree with your post and people lie. They'll tell you you look good and tell people she's going to put on that. Why do you have to tell people everything you do? Do you think they care? Hello, somebody. Only thing Facebook is doing is making other people feel like they ain't done enough. And they need to go out and catch the vibe. Well, baby, you ain't never took me as far as South Carolina. You better give God glory for South Carolina because you got California want to come to South Carolina. Matter of fact, you got people from way up there want to come to Little Burgaw. Wonder why. And these days when you travel, you bring back a friend with you. Yes, you do. Some people bring COVID right back with them. And it ain't only COVID that you bring back with you. Some people bring back nonsense. What am I saying? When you in fellowship with God for real, God know where you need to be and when you need to be there. He know what you need to be doing and when you need to be doing it. And everything that you do privately, nobody don't need to know it. And some husbands don't even know they're on Facebook. Somebody just come, man, I saw you. Where you see me at? Tell you everything you had on. If you had a book up your nose, they done told you that. Cause somebody do put you on Facebook. Hmm. Truly having fellowship with God. You ain't going to want all that stuff. You ain't going to want to live like the world is living no more. Y'all, we are proud of accomplishments in our lives. And it's okay to tell those accomplishments. But I want you to remember this. People that are on Facebook with mental illnesses and when they see your accomplishments or anyone else's, that's why you got to be careful. They feel like they're worthless. They feel like ain't no point of me living. They feel like they're ignorant, they're stupid. And some people commit suicide by your posts. Your posts could be the one that take them out. That's why you need to have so much fellowship with God to say, do I put this on Facebook? Is there somebody in my friend list that can bring them down instead of encouraging them? But what you can put on Facebook is the same way that God brought me out. I wasn't always in this place for what I have now. Come on, come on, God will let you know how to put it up there instead of just smiling big. He wants you to put something behind it for somebody to read to say, you don't have to live your life this way. But no, we sow in self mode. We sow in, it's all about what I have done. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even be breathing. He had to touch you to wake you up this morning. You didn't wake yourself up. It was the touch of God. So we got to remember it is in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. So many people get on Facebook just to have a life. say, folk. And don't even realize you have that life, that Zoe already in you. Fellowship with God so it can come out of you to help somebody else besides you. He said, God has given me life. Now I'm giving you that life through me. And now I want you to give that life to someone else. Hmm. When I sit with God, the first thing I have to do is turn off selfishness mode. Sometimes we don't even realize we're selfish and we are. You know, I found out sometime I'm selfish because when I sit before God and I begin to talk about me. That's why my scripture says. You've been crucified. That's why I said all the time to remind myself you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ who lives in you and the life you now live in the flesh. You live by the faith of the son of God who love you. And who has died for you. So when I sit down and I begin to prepare myself to give you what God want. I got to deal with God. I want to talk to you for myself. I can't tell them to experience you and I'm just coming to get a scripture to give them. I want to sit here and experience you and hear what you got to say. God, I want to hear your heart today. I don't want to sit here and just have an experience where it seems like I'm out of space or somewhere. I just want to sit here and get to know you, God, for who you really are. And the first thing that God told me, he said, I'm God. Okay, for real? God, I know you're God. He said, but do you really know I'm God? I say, okay, God, you're God. He said, did you really know that I am God? I am the only God. I'm self-existing. Did you know that everything that was made is because of me, that I'm God? And if it was not for me making it, it would not be made. There is no other God before me. In order for you to know me, you got to know there is no other God. I said, oh, Lord, God, we got a long way to go, don't we? He said, you got to start with who I am. And then he took me to Jesus. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, nothing, when you know that I'm God, you ain't going to put nothing before me and make an idol. So how well do you know me? You got to know that I am God. And just that, y'all, alone. He said, when you know that I'm God, when I'm Elohim, when I'm the creator and maker, when you know that nothing would exist it without me and everything that was made was because I created it, I made it, when you recognize that, you're going to understand that when something go on to on with you, you're going to come to Mr. Creator. Because I created it. He said, when things are going haywire in your life, in your body, you need to come to Jehovah Rapha. Oh, Lord, have mercy. We say we know God. But if we truly know God, why are we against one another? If we truly know God, why are we carrying unforgiveness? Because he's a forgiving God. If we truly know God, offense will come, but we should know that we're not the one to bring the offense to make our brother and sister stumble if we know God. If we know God, I can love you based on him and not on you and not on me. Oh, y'all, this is a long series. Because God said this is why things are not happening with the church. Because you got too many people coming together that don't know me. You got too many people that want the signs and wonders but don't know me. When you know me, everywhere you go, there's a sign and there's a wonder. He said, because you know me and you're releasing me in the atmosphere, not trying to make something work just to get followers to say, look what I done. When you know me, you can just walk. Through a room and people are healed. Because that's just who I am. When you know me and you experience me. Just like Isaiah. He saw me high. And he saw me lifted up. He saw my train filling the temple. Come on, that's that's having fellowship. Because God is opening up his self more and more unto you. Unto me. There was another man named Noah. The Bible said that Noah also walked with God. He had the grace. The grace of God was there with Noah. He found grace. He found favor. How in the world did he find this? Because he wasn't doing what the world was doing. So he was righteous before God. Because he walked with God. He had fellowship with God. He didn't do what they were doing. Even though sin was in the world, he kept his fellowship with God. And God began to talk with Noah. And he began to tell Noah, I'm going to destroy. See, Noah had the heart of God. Because he shared with Noah. See, he went through the generation and he found the ones that walked upright before him. The ones that stayed in fellowship with him, that commune with him. And he talked with Noah about what he was going to do and how he was going to do it. And then he said, Noah, this is what I want you to do. That's what fellowship does. COVID-19 shouldn't have brought us down. It should have built us up. Amen. It shouldn't have took us in a place like the world. Right. That shows us where we are with God. What was going on with the world didn't bring Noah down. It didn't bring Enoch down. It builded them up. Because they knew God. When you know him, you ain't looking at what everybody's looking at. And you can't be around people that say they know him with negative mindsets. You got to separate yourself from that. You don't let people take from you what God has built up in you. You separate. Right now, through this message, I got some demons that's mad. They're mad because truth is being told, and what they're doing, they're using the people, and they're talking in the air. So you're going to hear more talk dealing with Miracle Temple after today. The oh, they think they know everything. They ain't went to cemetery school. No, I have it. I'm a walking Paul. I Paul wasn't with them disciples. So but he had fellowship. He spent, I've dog doggone y'all. If I'm going to give up a job and just sit at home and do nothing. No, 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 no. I give God glory that he took me off the job. He's the one taking care of us. He's the one providing for us. How does he do that? He changed people's hearts towards us because y'all God is so Thea, I'm going to close with this song, Greatest Thou Faithfulness. You got Greatest Our Faithfulness? So what I'm saying today is, Sister Loretta, the more I know God, and the more I fellowship with God, I can take what I know, and I can begin to, can I hold your hand? I can begin to share it with you. We can begin to link up with the things of God and what he's doing. And as we begin to link up with God.
0: Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.